Hello, everyone, and welcome to the uh, first Monday check-in of the new Gregorian calendar year. Uh, for the liturgical calendar year, this, this is an old hat uh, at this point, but for those who are late to the New Year's party, uh, Happy New Year, I suppose. So uh, welcome back from, from a little bit of a break, Greg. Thank you, Damon, uh, to you too. And I guess uh, for those who missed Damon wishing you a Happy New Year's, he typically does that on what we call Christ the King Sunday, which is the Sunday uh, right before Advent starts. And so from the liturgical calendar point of view, we're already six weeks into the new year. Uh, but as Damon rightly points out, from the Gregorian calendar, which we all ascribe to whether we want to or not, uh, it indeed is the first Monday check-in of the new year 2022. Uh, I think we will achieve, um, we're going to hit uh, the century mark on our number of uh, Monday check-ins at some point this year. We're going to have a hundred of them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Where are we now? We're, we're in the high seventies. So we started this the last week of March of 2020, but we haven't done one every single week. So it's not like we won't be at 104 when we get to the last week of March, but we'll be pretty close to hundred. Cause I, I don't know that we've missed too many more than four or five of these over the last two years. We'll have to check. We'll check the records and get back with you. And then we'll have a grand celebration when we hit 100 Monday check-ins. Yeah. Yeah. We'll reach out to the official Monday check-in archivist and uh, have them uh, peer through the records <laughs> and, uh, and generate a report. I mean, it's, it's end of the year committee report season anyway. So. I will point out, too, though, that there, there is a discrepancy in the number of Monday check-ins that exist because uh, the SoundCloud, which is where these are housed as an audio file, has one number and YouTube has a different number. And that reflects when we were first getting this started in March and April of 2020, we weren't as consistent as we could have been. And so uh, somewhere in there lies the, the true number of Monday <laughs> check-ins. <laughs> I think the first time we posted to YouTube, I actually posted either to my, I think I posted to my personal YouTube channel. So one exists out there that's on my personal YouTube channel because we hadn't yet set up the church's YouTube channel because we were still just trying to figure out what does life look like. Yeah, because we didn't know anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but the good news is we're here and we're going to continue to be here. And if you love the Monday check-in, we don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah. And the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, uh, the couple of the two pastors, uh, myself, Damon, and you, Greg, we hop on here and we have a little bit of it. We t it's kind of like a little sneak preview a little bit of, of the upcoming Sunday. So we take a look at some of the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday and and talk a little bit about, you know, what do we, the themes, what do we see, what questions does it raise, where do we start to see or feel connections between it and our own lived experiences and the life of the church. And then we switch gears and we talk a little bit about what's going on at First Pres Hastings and what folks might want to be aware of. So that is the plan for this morning. And uh, I think it's my turn to open us with a word of prayer. Yep. 
<clears throat> Loving and gracious God, as we begin another week, as we attempt once again in the days ahead to live out the faith, to, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus the Christ, I ask that your spirit, that your presence might be with us as we open the scripture and begin to consider what that might mean for our lives. Help us, O oh God, to find questions. Help us, O oh God, to seek your answers. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, we took, uh, if people were wondering where the Monday check-in was last week, uh, we took last week off. Yep. One of those, like I said, a few weeks uh, in the last two years that we haven't done this. And last week was one of those. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I was doing when we would normally be recording the Monday check-in. Uh, I was just hanging out, chilling with my family. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Monday morning. I was in Iowa. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. Cause you led worship on Sunday, the 26th and then buzzed out of here to Iowa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then my family, yeah, we got a new board game for Christmas. That's a lot of fun. Ooh, what is it? It's called Trekking the World. Ooh. It's kind of like a ticket to ride, but a lighter version. And it's a game that you can finish a round of in about an hour. Okay. Now this As, game is called, I think it's called like Trekking the National Parks or something. And I would guess that it probably follows the exact same rules. Yeah. Uh, but this is it's a global one versus a national park one. In fact, um, I was supposed to, my mom has a copy of Trekking the National Parks, uh, which she's never opened. She's had it for a couple of years. And I was uh, supposed to pick it up when I was visiting her in Colorado this week and I didn't, so it's still there. But uh, she was here visiting for Christmas as well. So she played Trekking the World. And the most frustrating part of this game for me, Damon, I can't figure out how to win it. Um, I collectively as a family, we've probably played 10 rounds and I have not won a single round yet. And that's pretty unusual for me. Yeah. Uh, and so look up, you gotta look up some, uh, some YouTube, uh, tips and tricks. I think videos. I might, mm -hmm. um, I'm convinced that some of it is kind of random, but there's a lot of skill and strategy involved too. And I clearly am not picking up on the skill and strategy as well as Esther and Jessica and my mom uh, are picking up on the skill and strategy. So there you have it. Interesting. Well, speaking of trekking, Greg, and not, nice not Star Trek. segue. But just traveling. Uh, uh, this, this, the scripture that we're going to read for this upcoming Sunday involves some trekking. Uh, so let's see if people can pick up on it. Uh, it comes to us from the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, verses 1 through 12. And I read something like this. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Homage, homage. 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 But you can also pay homage to something. That's the same word, isn't it? I, I well, this says pay homage or yeah. pay homage. Yeah. Keep reading. I'll ask the uh, dictionary while you're reading. Pay homage. 
when King Herod heard this, that they were going to, you know, go and pay him homage, <laughs> uh, King Herod was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. And that's where that reading ends. So, uh, Greg, what do you got? Uh, well, to begin with, let's talk about... Uh, Let's just switch it to tribute. They came to pay him tribute. <laughs> Are both it's, pronunciations acceptable? Uh, the pronunciation that you were working with is uh, considered the French pronunciation, uh, which is appropriate because that word does come from French. Homage. Homage is the French pronunciation. Uh, the American English pronunciation is uh, homage with a very, very light H, perhaps. Homage, if you want to. Yeah. Um, and apparently the British pronunciation of the word is a hard H, so it's homage. Homage. This is according to the YouTube, uh, which of course is the the authority in all of these things. Yeah, they know um, anybody can put things. The same is true though, if you pull up the Oxford English pronunciation or the Webster's dictionary pronunciation, they, they'll say homage as American, homage as British, or homage as French, all perfectly acceptable pronunciations. So we're going to stick with tribute. <laughs> uh, for we observed his start, it's rising, and we have come to pay him tribute. Yeah. And when you have found him, bring me words so that I may also go and pay him tribute. We'll stick with that. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've got the Magi, <clears throat> the wise men traveling uh, from the east, trekking, as it were, from the east. Um, this uh, scripture is probably sounding pretty familiar to people. Uh, we've read it a couple of times during the Advent and Christmas season already. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's your pop quiz to see if you were paying attention on Christmas Eve. Damon, how many wise men are there? Doesn't say. <laughs> Damon was listening to my sermon on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the, 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 the historical tradition is that there were three because there are three gifts that are listed, but there is no uh, specific number of wise men that is listed in the scripture. Uh, and so we don't know that it was three. Uh, could have been more, could have been less. Had to be at least two 
because if you go back to the Greek, all the verbs are in the plural. So it's somewhere between two and 22, Wiseman? Yeah, yeah. It could have been a whole school of, um, and Magi were kind of astrologers, is that correct? They, yeah. They were in the habit of looking to the stars and reading the stars uh, as ways of uh, gaining insight in, into the happenings of the world. Is that, is that correct? That is our understanding of this word magi, these, these wise men. And them being converted into kings is uh, also a historical tradition, but not necessarily. The word in Greek never connotes or denotes kings. Um, the reason we sort of overlaid this the kings is because of the the wealth and the gifts that they bring. They bring these gifts that are um, expensive enough that it would likely only royalty would be able to show up at the side of the manger with these types of gifts. Although again, we don't know volume, right? And so, yeah. Anyways, yeah, it, it could it could be like the um, she's the the widow that puts her last coin into the, into the treasury is the that famous widow's might. Yeah. And so it could be a, a fleck of gold and just a hint of frankincense <laughs> and perhaps a drop of myrrh. And then these guys were not necessarily wealthy uh, per se, but they had enough resources to be able to travel from the East. But this is another one of those things where, the historic tradition is that they're from Persia or points even farther east than Persia. But all it says is wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Well, like east of Jerusalem is uh, Jericho. That's Jericho is only about 30 minute drive from Jerusalem. Uh, by walking, it'd take you half a day. So that's east of Jerusalem. That could be where these magi came from. But the historical tradition has has moved into this idea that it would be Persia, which is present day Iran or Iraq. Um, but I there's actually a historical tradition that I love as I was researching the wise men for my Christmas Eve sermon uh, that has developed that suggests that um, if you look at points east, if you look study a map very closely and you look at points east, um, part of the Horn of Africa is they're no, not the Horn of Africa. Part of part of Africa is east of Jerusalem, um, and then Saudi Arabia and the Arab states are east of Jerusalem, and then um, Asia, of course, is east of Jerusalem. And so, uh, some scholars have suggested that, or not scholars more, but just folks who have overlaid history on this, that um, Christ came for the whole world. And so one king could have been of African descent, one of Arabian or Persian descent, and one of Asian descent, just to help us wrap our brains around the fact that, that Christ came for the whole world and the whole world came to pay him tribute. And uh, <laughs> so I, I like that. Uh, it's not biblical, all the Bible says is that wise men came from the East, but I like imagining that these, this arrival of these wise men represents this larger picture that this birth of Jesus is a worldwide spectacular event, not just a localized spectacular event. So. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that interpretation that, you know, following that sort of a trail that, 
that follows this idea that uh, at the very least the the wise men are are to symbolize folks outside of the faith being drawn to this and recognizing the authority of it or the significance of it, right? At the very least, these wise men are not, probably not Jewish, right? Right. Um, so, so where exactly they're coming from, who knows, but they do seem to be representing this, this expansive idea um, of, of the Messiah and, and who the Messiah is for, I suppose. Not, not Jewish and, and also not even Roman Gentile, right? The, the, the distinction that they're from the East means they didn't come from the Europe or the Rome side of Jerusalem. They came from the other side. And so it really does expand the vision of who is coming to pay tribute to this Christ child, um, which is a very intentional detail in the Gospel of Matthew, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's kind of an international flair, I suppose, to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, so the... The rest of this story <clears throat> is that um, Herod then sends people um, to Bethlehem to to kill all of the ch- the male children um, who would have been born around this time. And Joseph and Mary, the Holy Family, flees to Egypt um, to safety. For, and then, of course, that gets them in Egypt, and the, you know that sort of reminds us of the. Exodus narrative um, and story as well, but um, yeah, there, there is a little bit, I suppose, of a international uh, flavor, I guess, to Matthew's gospel, at least at the start. Well, and and that's also how it ends, right? The gospel of Matthew ends with the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, um, yeah, it, it starts with this sort of global trekking <laughs> and ends with the call for all of us to be disciples and witnesses to, to Christ, to the whole world. Um, I had not made that connection before until just now, but I like it a lot. Neither had I really, but, but it is like, it's Luke that has the shepherds, right? Yep. And that's a very local scene like these are guys that were out like in the field next door or <laughs> you know or or someplace they were over by fairfield um and they saw what was going on or glenville and decided to come in um yeah that, that's a very tighter knit i guess scene uh, then this is a much this is a oh the whole world's getting involved in this thing <laughs> already right at the start yeah Although what I love about the contrasting the stories too, you, the annunciation of the shepherds were, were these incredible angels, these angelic beings that sang. And um, whereas the, the sign for the wise men was the star, they, they didn't get the benefit of the singing angels. Um, and, and yet it's both of these things spoke to these people in a way that drew them into Bethlehem, right? Um, perhaps the, the, the shepherds wouldn't have followed a star. Perhaps the wise men wouldn't have listened to the angels singing. The bottom line is God provided for these folks what they needed to be able to be drawn into the story of Jesus. Yeah. And I was, um, I don't know where it is now, but 
uh, you were you provided a, a commentary. And it, oh, here it is. Um, who wrote this? Uh, a pastor who's in Annapolis, Maryland, Mihi Kim Court, uh, Korean American pastor. She's awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that she pointed out is that um, you know these bandai they were the sign that they followed, right? Uh, that drew them to God in this way was to them like an ordinary sort of a thing um, in that this is what they did. <laughs> they were used to looking at stars. They, they were used to, to being involved in this sort of practice. Like to them that, the, that a star would rise that would have this sort of a significance made sense, right? And, and that's the thing that they followed that drew them to God. Um, and, and so she makes the, the point of sort of, it's often, it could just as easily be these ordinary things, uh, the things that we think of as ordinary that, that draw us to encounters with God, right? The, uh, if you're a musician and you're just in the habit of listening to music, then it would make sense that, that that might be a thing that could draw you to God or reading poetry or cooking or like, like hosting gatherings. If you're a person who loves hosting gatherings, <laughs> then maybe there's some way that, that hosting a gathering can draw you to God, which I thought was a really interesting point. Like we look at this, oh, what an extraordinary thing. And these magi were just, oh, okay, that seems interesting. <laughs> let's, let's follow that star for a little bit. That's just, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to uh, unpack from this story of the Magi, as I did on Christmas Eve and as Damon will do uh, here on Sunday for you. Um, a lot of directions to take this. And She also um, makes the point, which I think is interesting, that, uh, that the story is not really about the Magi. That the story is... Um, the story is about we have two competing kings in the story. Uh, one is Herod and one is Jesus. And that's what the story is really about. And, um, and then it's a question of which, which path are the Magi going to follow, right? Are, are they going to follow the, the things of the path of Herod, the path of destruction, the path of self-interest, the path of um, whatever you want to say, or, or will they follow this? this other path on their on their way home but yeah that's yeah what do you think damon you think it'll preach well i think that there's something in there that'll preach you decided what it's going to be yet um no no but i, li I like this i am i am really i am drawn to that sort of I think I think that is a place that it's easy for me to enter into the story. Mm -hmm. If we start thinking about which pathway are we going to choose in the world, like which voices are we going to listen to in the world, um, and and we start seeing, as we try to sort of make this trek of faith, right? Um, then that's like. Those kinds of questions are a, a place where I, I think it's easier for me to start to see myself 
in the story. So you don't see yourself bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to kneel at the manger. And although, again, that another we're destroying people's <laughs> historical understanding of this story. But um, most biblical scholars will suggest that it took the Magi two to three years uh, to make it from wherever they started to Bethlehem. Um, and so oftentimes we, we put the, the shepherds and the wise men in the manger in Bethlehem all together for the Christmas story. And um, the, the reality is that it's possible that it, it was uh, a few years before the Magi actually showed up. Um, which is an, another interesting detail. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. What are you going to journey two years? <laughs> to, you know? Uh, it's, a, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's a huge commitment uh, on their behalf. And um, they, they, they went for it. And then also, yeah, I like the, the contrasting of, of Herod as king or Christ as king, right? And you could do a lot with that. And, and there's enough sort of historical information about who Herod was as king and kind of the king that he was both, both in the Bible and also in some of the historical record. Um, and you could do a heck of a contrast between the two um, ways of being that those kings represent and, uh, and go from there. And then this, this dangerous game that the, that the wise men play, right? They, they show up at Herod's palace. They, have the conversation with them. He says, come back and tell me what you found. And they choose to go a different way. Um, and that's, you know, there's nothing that would have stopped Herod from tracking them down and um, punishing them for not following his orders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Herod here is he's kind of a puppet for Rome. Uh, and, and Rome did not like to have their authority questioned. Um, or criticized in any sort of a way. Um, and you might think that these, these guys might stand out um, no matter what road they were trying to travel down. Um, and there's, there's Roman guards around. Um, so, Well, and like the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, Right. Herod's palace is in Jerusalem because they want Herod to be placed at the center of Judaic activity because Rome has appointed Herod, sort of the, the king of the Jews, to oversee that territory. But the distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is, is a matter of miles, like 10, 15 miles at the most. And so once the wise men got to Bethlehem, met Jesus, and then had a dream to go away the other way uh, by another road, they start heading back by another road. It wouldn't take much for a couple of Roman soldiers on horseback to catch them. So they're playing a bit of a dangerous game here, uh, but they, they lean into it and they go for it. And uh, I think there, there's right. And that's, again, when you're going to do the contrast of which of these two Kings are you going to follow? What risks are you willing to take uh, to do that? I think there's some, some good stuff to mine there too. Yeah. Yeah. It could be interesting. It will be interesting. We will be waited with bated breath on uh, Sunday morning, ready for you to delight us. As we, as we celebrate uh, Epiphany. Indeed. On Sunday morning. So, um, should, we, should we change gears? Let's do that. Okay. 
what else then should we should we know about? Uh, well, this Sunday, January 9th, um, we have two exciting things happening. One, our 8.30 service, we're going to go back to this uh, sort of Tizé contemplative style of worship. Uh, and so if you come for our 8.30 service, that's you can expect kind of a, a different style of worship at that service. Also, we will serve communion at that service um, each week. And so if that's something that you're wanting, if you desire communion more than the first Sunday of the month when we typically serve it in our 10.30 service, that service is available every week uh, starting this week. We also have some really great guest musicians lined up to help us lead that service. So that promises to be a really, really good service uh, starting this Sunday, the 9th. Uh, and then also this Sunday, the 9th, following the 1030 service, we're going to invite the congregation to stick around for a bit and help us take down all the lovely uh, Advent and Christmas decorations that we have in our beautiful church and on the outside of our church, too. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes on the weather. Uh, and if it looks like it's going to be you know, too cold, then we won't really worry about the exterior stuff, uh, at least for now. It can just be general seasonal decor. Um, but, but we will make sure that we get um, the stuff in the, in, the, in the interior of the building taken down and, and tucked away for next year. So, yeah. Yeah. And then what's going on with Christian Ed this week? Well, this uh, Wednesday, Wednesday Night Live activities fire back up again. So, um, for all of our for all of our youth, um, middle school youth group, senior high youth group, Cal West bells, Cal West choir, praise and hallelujah, choirs and bells, all that good stuff fires up on on Wednesday, and and then Sunday school will start back up. Um, this coming Sunday as well. So uh, now that everybody is back in school or will be back in school by tomorrow, at least uh, the local uh, schools, then we should be good to go. I know we still have a couple of college students kicking around town, but uh, they're in a different category. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, Hastings College fires back up again tomorrow as well. So uh, yeah full steam ahead for all of our uh, programming for children and uh, youth and adults. We've got bell choir and chancel choir rehearsal as well on Wednesday night. And then chancel choir will be joining us on Sunday. Um, and they're singing. Um, this piece of music. Work of Christmas. Okay. Uh, they sang this for us at the Christmas Eve service, and it was so good that we said, why don't you sing it again? And I think it's going to fit with uh, the direction your sermon is currently headed in terms of which which king are we following. So yeah. it would be hard for that piece of music to not fit with a sermon, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, generally, the way that you and I preach, uh, yeah, I, the this this. This poem or prayer by Howard Thurman, The Work of Christmas, pretty closely aligns with uh, the good news that we proclaim week after week in, uh, in the sanctuary of First Presbyterian Church of Hastings. Yeah, like if you put together a worship service and then you thought, hmm, I'm not sure if that piece of music fits, you might want to rethink your worship service. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's true. That's what I say. 
But there's a particular alignment that I think works really well <laughs> with Epiphany and works really well with the story of the Magi. It worked really well on Christmas Eve as well with my uh, my sermon on the fourth Magi. So, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, I will mention also many many thanks to all of those who have contributed items for our reverse Advent calendar collection. Uh, we've got a big old pile of stuff in the parlor from from this past advent and the mission committee will be working at getting all that stuff sorted and delivered uh, to our partner organizations and agencies this week i believe so so thanks to all who participated in that um especially if you collected items and brought them to the church but if you if you just read through the devotional book during the season of Advent and, and found your, your experience of Advent to be heightened or uh, to be able to, to have a little bit more of a, a spiritual experience during the season of Advent and, and Christmas, then, then thank you for participating with the community of faith in that way. And, and thanks to everyone who, who wrote a prayer for that booklet this year. So uh, so yeah, so we're going to get that ramped up and uh, and tucked away for another year, I suppose. Does it look like we're going to do a Lenten devotional guide again this year? We probably can. You got any themes <laughs> in mind? Uh, this sounds like a conversation you and I can have this week so that you can get started on that because I know those are, that's a lot of work. Uh, and <laughs> Uh, so let me thank you as well, Damon, uh, for the work that you put into uh, that Advent devotional guide. Uh, I know you wrote some of the prayers and some of the devotionals, uh, but also you uh, wrangled lots and lots and lots of folks to help get those uh, written and published. And so uh, thank you for that. It's very much appreciated. Well, you're welcome. And uh, we'll need more for uh, Lenten. More days in Lent. Than there more are in days in Lent, right? We're talking about six weeks as opposed to four. And so it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should uh, tap Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, to help us with some of that uh, for Lent. I like that. And then also our seminarian, Sarah Babcock, and I are having lunch today. She was supposed to be here uh, for uh, the Sunday after Christmas, uh, but uh, fell ill. Uh, we're glad that she has returned to health and uh, also returned to Hastings for a few days. She ended up having to cut her whole Christmas plans short, but made it back here for a few days. She and I are having lunch, and so um, I will also pick her brain and see how much bandwidth she has to help us with this project for the season of Lent, too. There we go. I like it. Should be good. So, uh, Is it closing prayer time? It indeed is closing prayer time. So let us, uh, let me... Hold on one second. I think I'm going to do one final prayer from our Advent devotional guide. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. I just need to grab it. If I can. Or not be able to grab it quickly and easily. If you can't, no one can. Do you have, do you have it at your fingertips? Uh, nope, I put mine in the recycling bin <laughs> about two hours ago. That's actually what I was uh, just. All right, I can't find it. So I, will, I will close I go, this. With... I can go grab it out of the recycling bin real quick. That's all right. I will. Uh, I'll just close this with a word of prayer. Okay. Let's pray. 
gracious and loving God, we read this familiar story of the Magi, and we ask that you teach us through that story. Touch our minds and our hearts so that we hear it in new ways this year, ways that inspire us to decide which king we're going to follow and which kingdom we want to build. God, help us to be a little bit more like the Magi, willing to travel from afar, willing to sacrifice, willing to acknowledge the miracle of the birth of Christ, and then to share that miracle with others. Inspire us, God. Inspire us to be your followers and to share your good news with the world. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.